Hi, this is presenter Kate O'Halloran, and this is the podcast of Kick Like a Girl, a weekly radio show that airs on Triple R during the AFLW season. Kick Like a Girl dissects the week in AFLW with stars and fans of the game and focuses not just on the action on field, but the politics off it. We hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Kick Like a Girl's Facebook page, Twitter or website. Hello, you are on Kick Like a Girl on Triple R, AFLW Radio. We're still happening for the moment anyway. Uh, <laughs> you um, have just been listening to The Grapevine, um, thanks to Dylan and Kalia. It's just after 12 o'clock midday. I'm your host, Kato Halloran, and before we get stuck in, I just want to say a big welcome to regular co-host Emily Fox. Good afternoon. <laughs> is it? Yeah, it is just. And... Uh, <laughs> Our return guest and now co-host, and Gemma Bastiani. Hey, how's it going? Not bad. How are you? Yeah, pretty confused right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> all over the shop, the apocalypse. Um, <laughs> do you want to quickly tell people who you are in case they missed you with the ex- expert slot we had in week one previewing <laughs> uh, the season? Uh, I'm Gemma. I co-founded Siren, a women in sport collective with Kate and a few other amazing women. Um, I also run Play on Radio, which is all about music and sport or footy, really, and do a few other little things, yeah. Excellent. Now, we have to get straight into our um, main interview for the day. We were going to have uh, both of them in studio, but in these times they're on the phone, so we're <laughs> going to have to awkwardly do one after another, I think. But the first guest is Tilly Lucas-Rod from St Kilda. Welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, coming on. Is it weird, um, all the new sort of regulations you have now, like not coming into radio um, stations, not meeting media after the game, etc. Yeah, it is a bit strange. I mean, for us as female athletes, it probably wasn't that long ago that we this kind of was our life where um, we didn't really do interviews or have media. But yeah, we've kind of come become accustomed to it, so it is a bit strange. But you know, we're just kind of going along with what we're told and doing the best we can with what we've been told. Yeah, indeed. Um, and. I don't know if you heard Sam Lane's comments over the weekend, but um, pretty extraordinarily, she suggested that we could be in a situation where uh, this weekend is actually ends up being the grand final. Was that a shock to you to hear? Yeah, I was actually watching the game at home when she said that. <laughs> I think it was a shock. As players, we don't have a whole lot of idea with what's going on. We're just kind of taking it day by day. Yeah. But um, after she said that... I- there was a lot of messages in my group, in my club group chat going around saying, you know, is this the case? Is this going to happen? Um, but we're just kind of trying to wait and see what's going to happen. Hopefully that isn't the case. I yeah. mean, it would be kind of unfair to the teams that are still in competition for finals, but you never know what could happen with this. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty pretty scary. I guess at this point we're just going to assume that next weekend is happening anyway. I mean, we'd love it all to finish, but, um, yeah, I guess we just have to see what the decision is. Now, assuming next weekend does go ahead, um, it's going to be you up against Bree, um, couple playing each other. How weird is that? Yeah, well, that's why I really hope this weekend goes ahead. Um, it'll be the first time we play in terms of an AFLW sense against one another. Yeah. We played in the VFL against each other, um, and we didn't come across each other too many times on the field, which was okay. <laughs> but, yeah, it's definitely strange. But, um, you know, something we're just going to have to get used to as the seasons go on as well. Totally. So 
are you guys still going to go to the game together? You drive in the car, just not talk as soon as you leave the door and get into game mode? That's really fascinating insight because you guys have played football together for a long, long time before this season. Yeah, we, so that's how we met playing footy. When Bree came back from soccer to football, we met that way. Uh, I kind of have pre-game routines. I like to travel alone to games, uh, but I reckon probably this week we'll travel together to Vic Park. It's only just down the road from where we live, which is convenient. Um, but, yeah. We've already started, like, Brie was trying to talk to someone on the phone the other day from her team and she had to go into another room so she could discuss tactics. We've already kind of started the separation of tactics and things like that. On tactics, um, you've you kind of have come to St Kilda, which um, obviously coached by Peter Sell and who has had quite a defensive game style coming into it. As a defender, have you seen that game style really help you elevate your game throughout the season? Um, yeah, I don't think we... We have a focus on not just defensive tactics, but also on offense. I think that um, just the way the games have kind of unfolded, it's our defense that's kind of um, come forth in games and been really strong. I think we're just continuing. We want to play an attacking brand of footy, um, and we're trying to balance the two out. As a defender myself, I really enjoy the way Peter coaches us. I enjoy um, the defensive tactics that she's put in place for our team. I think they really work in the AFLW game, so I'm just happy to play down there and do my role each week for the team. And how how does she go about making sure she conveys the messages to the team so that you can all execute it as strongly as you've been able to? Um, I think from the start, Pete's had a really clear game plan, and um, in terms of communicating it, she does that really well, and so do our line coaches. I think that they're, one good thing is that all our coaches are on the same page delivering the same messages consistently to the girls. Um, each week we do a game review. We look at the opposition as well. So she just keeps her messaging really clear, really simple. I think that some coaches can kind of um, talk too much and they try to give multiple messages at once. Pete just keeps it really clear and concise for the girls and I think that helps us being able to implement it in games. And with your game, Tilly, like previously for your last few seasons at Carlton, they seem to have you midfield or pushing forward. Well, this year you get to be that anchor at the rebounding defender at St Kilda and is that a relief for you that you now get to go into a position where you're a lot more comfortable you can use your elite foot skills and just hit darts across the ground um, (laughs) without having that pressure of uh, expecting to you know push forward and kick goals and and that kind of stuff yeah you're right in previous seasons I was more of a midfield slash forward role I probably I've feel more comfortable behind the ball. So for me, come being at Saints, as as you said, as that anchor, kind of rebounding defender, I feel like I'm playing my best footy there. Um, so, yeah, I enjoy the role that, that I've been given. There's a couple of us that play the same role at Saints, um, trying to rebound from defence. And I just think that, for me personally, it makes me play my best footy. So I'm happy to do the role. Um, and that's what Pete wants me to do. So I'll just keep doing that. And when you do get the ball off the half-back line and you're going to hit another 30, 40-metre stab pass, who is it that you want to put the ball, the, you know, the, the ball into their hands? Who makes your eyes light up and go, oh, yeah, this is on now? Um, oh, sorry, there's a train coming past. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, the hazards. <laughs> I know. Um, son of phone interviews. Um, there's a, lot, there, a lot of our girls are really capable footballers. Um, in the past, I've done reviews. I've got a really good friend in the forward line, Kate Sheeler, and she's quite tall and she leads really loud. Um, and Pete's actually said before that she, she seduces me into kicking it to her sometimes. So. <laughs> <laughs> so people like G-Train, Courtney Mudd from our forward line, they, they all lead and present really well up the ground. And, and our midfielders do the same. They get to their feet or they you know, lead up for those passes as well. So I'm happy to you know, put it in the hands of anyone in our team. We're really capable all throughout the ground. Is G-Train really what you guys are calling Caitlin in-house now as well? 
Yeah, well, apparently she had the nickname before footy, so I think it just so happens that she played the Saints, but she's already had the nickname. <laughs> you mentioned earlier that you have always tried to play more of a balanced attacking and defensive game, but maybe you get sucked into that defensive style as games go on. We've seen in the past two weeks that it has been far more balanced and it seemed like a very clear change into that Carlton game. Was there anything internally that changed heading into that game that um, maybe made that happen and then was maybe a little bit more effective this week against Richmond? Um, I don't think tactically we changed much. We knew that um, in terms of Carlton, they like to play a chipping style of footy, I think. Coming into the game, when the game before we played them, they had something like 100 uncontested marks. So, you know, we had a focus on that. But we didn't really talk too much about balancing our offense and defense uh, as a game. In terms of pre-season training, it's really short. So, unfortunately, you do have to focus more, more on some areas because you can't cover, in eight weeks, you can't cover every part of the AFL game because it's so multidimensional. Uh, but coming into the last two rounds, we... We kind of just stuck to our game plan. We've done what we always have. I think it's just translated on the field that there's more of a balance. Mm. And I wanted to ask you about Peter Searle, actually, Tilly, just because I know she's got a lot of fans in the AFLW community, obviously only woman coach in the league at the moment. Um, what is she like? Is she as much of a larrikin as she seems um, on the post-match you know, interviews that we see? And, yeah, what's her character like? Um, Peter's definitely, she's definitely an interesting personality. Um, (laughs) It's it's a lot of people, she does have a lot of support out there because of, you know, she's been a pioneer in in terms of the coaching space and she was also a really good player back in her day. Um, But as a person, she's she's just great to have at the the forefront of our club. Um, She really has a lot of care for players. She's got a great sense of humour. She... um, she always gets up and gives these pre-game speeches, and she, without a doubt, she always makes up a word in her pre-game speeches. <laughs> it's just hilarious. Some of the stuff she says, we're like, that's actually, you've actually made that up. <laughs> the other day, she made like a camaraderie ship or something. Oh my god! She said it was completely wrong. Um, <laughs> She gets a good laugh from the girls. I love that. And the other person I really loved, actually, um, you know, didn't know much about her beforehand, but Ree Watt, just seeing yeah. her passion. Um, yeah, what, what's she like to play with? And, yeah, it just seems like she loves the club and would be a brilliant teammate to have around. Yeah, Ree is great. I actually had the pleasure of playing with her at Carlton last year, so this is my second season with her. Yeah, um, she's just a great person. What you see in the media, the way she, um, the passion she exudes, and the and the love she has for the club and the girls is a hundred percent her as a person. She just loves footy. Um, she loves the Saints, and she yeah, she cares about each individual player, and it's really good to have that as a leader of the club. You know, mm. she, the the love and passion she has for all of us. She just wants us all to exceed succeed as individuals so it's great love it all right well maybe we'll ask you one more before we get you to awkwardly hand the phone over to um brie but um just if you if you had a a sentence or i don't know just something to encapsulate what the spirit is like at st kilda because i think you know obviously the team weren't talked up as much as some of the other expansion clubs but you've had a wonderful season i think a lot of neutrals are really behind you so yeah how would you describe it to someone on the outside um, I think that the vibe that we have is just a family. There's just a lot of love and care for one another. Um, we know how how capable we, are, capable we are as a group. We know that each player has individual strengths, and if we bring those um, every week, you know, we'll give teams a real red-hot crack. And, um, yeah, there's just a great family vibe, and it's, yeah, a lot of love and care for each other. 
Oh, oh it's really I was nasty. hoping you were going to use one of Peter Searle's made up words. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of comradeship. Comradeship, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Tilly, and yeah, good luck on the weekend against Bree. Um, we hope that the game's played and that we get to see a full season from the Saints. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks. I'll pass it over to Bree now. Thank you. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, how are you going? <laughs> Good, how are you? Not bad. Thanks for joining us. This is slightly weird, something I've never really done before, but how are you going? <laughs> yeah, good, going well. Were you, were you kind of just leaning over Tilly's shoulder there, just wondering what she's being asked and figuring out what she's talking about? Or? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I think you're caught bits and pieces. All right, well, if our listeners are just tuning in, we just had um, Tilly Lucas Rod from St Kilda. Now I've got her partner, Bree Davey from Collingwood. This is Kick Like a Girl, um, Triple R's AFLW radio show. Um, yeah, how weird is it um, playing against Tilly? I know she said you have done so in the VFLW before, but it must be a weird feeling at AFLW level. Yeah, I think me and Tilly have played a lot of our footy together. So, um, yeah, first few sort of not playing footy together. So it is, it is different, but at the same time, you sort of, like, you honestly don't really think about it too much once you're running out there. It's a game of football at the end of the day, and we're all pretty competitive people. So, yeah, may the best team win. <laughs> Indeed. You both moved over from Carlton um, to obviously different teams this year, making this happen. But you've moved into a midfield that's been pretty incredible, including improvements from players that have been in the system a little bit. Do you think you've had to change your game at all to fit into the way that midfield's worked? Or have you kind of gone in and just done your thing and it's, it's worked really well in the kind of connection with those others? Yeah, no, I don't think I've had to change my game too much. I think um, running through the midfield um, and, and being sort of, I guess, one of the more experienced players, you know, when I was at Carlton and, and even probably going into the Collingwood midfield, um, I I just think, for me, the, the main thing I try to bring is a bit of guidance and a bit of leadership. And um, if, if the, the ship is sort of steering one way, trying to port back when we, when we need to. But I, I don't think that's necessarily been a change. I think it's just keeping that going and... Um, obviously, in the last few seasons, Collingwood um, haven't quite had, I guess, the results that they've wanted. And um, part of sort of the jump over was to, to sort of, I guess, um, bring my leadership qualities as much as I can to help the group. And um, to be honest, the guys have been incredible as soon as I got there. Um, all just super keen to learn and to, and to be successful. And I think that's been the key difference, especially speaking to the girls that were there previous years, is the belief in the squad has just completely changed. So... How much of the VFLW's premiership winning season do you think that has had an impact on, I praise that weirdly, but impact on the way you've gone into this AFLW season? Yeah, well, again, I think it definitely helped to build a bit of belief and, you know, winning is a skill as well and something, um, you know, if you're not used to it, um, it can, it, sometimes it can be hard to get the feel of it. And I think um, through the VFL the girls getting some wins under their belts and being able to play some good footy together, I really think, um, did help to set up a little bit. Um, but at the same time, as, as you guys would know, VFL level and ASRW level are, are different at the same time. So um, we knew that we were just going to have to put the hard yards in in the pre-season and attack attack this ASRW season um, as best we could. And I think, yeah, so far I've done a pretty good job, but, you know, the job's not done yet. We've got to keep pushing on. Do you think the VFLW system and maybe even some other South Australian and West Australian state-based comps kind of gives those teams in those states advantages over maybe the northern clubs in the off-season because they do have that time together um, 
in the weeks that AFLW isn't around? Yeah, I think somewhat. I mean, again, at, the, at this point, like with the VFL especially, um, there's obviously a sort of a point system and a certain amount of AFL that we play you can play at one time. So whilst you're not getting the full experience, there is, like you've mentioned, there is that experience there of being able to get some footy in together. So, um, yeah, I definitely think it makes a difference because at the end of the day, um, you could have the best, best team on the field, but if you, or the best list on the field, but if you haven't played much footy together, sometimes it's actually really hard to, to have that product there at the end of the day. So, yeah, it definitely helps um, having that practice together. Mm. And. <laughs> And puts up her hand to ask a question and then just stays silent. But anyway. I just get too involved in the convo. Um, football's becoming like so – AFLW in particular is becoming really, really big and it's becoming quite consuming. But it only lasts yep. for 12, 14 weeks. The season's over. And then in the next 40 weeks of the year, that AFLW is, is gone. So what happens outside of football for you guys now? Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a bit of a weird phase. And it's like everyone goes into a bit of after-season depression. Mm. Because you, put, you do, you pour a lot of hard work and effort and then it ends quite abruptly. So, um, yeah, I mean, we all basically yeah, go to our VFL clubs and from a footy perspective, we just sort of chug along with that. And then, um, obviously, a lot of the girls um, are either working um, or studying or both. So we all sort of, um, I guess our life sort of changes a little bit. We're, we're still playing football but um you know we, we have to obviously focus on our careers or um, our study or whatever else so yeah we're sort of busy in that in that way as well and both you and tilly are very smart footballers not just talented footballers but you're a very smart footballer so do you get more involved in the uh analytical side of football as well especially when the vfl program's happening do you look more towards coaching or game analysis or opposition analysis and things like that to keep passionate about your footy yeah, definitely. I mean, for me personally, I definitely have a passion in that space. Um, and still having a chip, yeah, she does, like you mentioned, she's got a quite a good footballing brain. So whether it's something she gets into or not, I'm not, I'm not too sure. Um, but, yeah, for myself, um, I definitely have a passion in that area. And it's done a little bit of work over the last few years in, in that sort of coaching space and hoping to just continue to build that. But, yeah, definitely, um, I mean, I love the game and um, post my playing career, Hopefully, uh, I can stay involved in that sort of space. Um, so, yeah. So, does that mean you can also give each other a little bit of insights? Like, if you've played one team during the year and then St Kilda's come up against it, you can say, oh, well, this guy doesn't run that hard or, or, or this player can, you know, get a bit stroppy and you can play on that. Do you, do you can yeah. kind of share that kind of info amongst each other? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. I think, obviously, I've got a lot of things, but, and I think I heard Phil mention too. Um, I was on, on a bit of a phone call the other day with one of my teammates and I had to pretty much escape her because I didn't want her to see what I was trying to say. But, yeah, um, basically, yeah, as long as we're obviously in our respective clubs, but, yeah, we definitely, we'll definitely share things um, and talk, we do talk footy. Uh, but at the same time, obviously, uh, you need a break from it too. So we'll, mm. we'll sometimes obviously switch off and, and obviously do normal sort of day-to-day things without having to chat about footy. But, yeah, we definitely share things. And, Bree, I asked Tilly before, just because I guess it's on everyone's minds, that, um, you know, with the uncertainty around what's happening with coronavirus and Sam Lane Mm. actually said on the weekend that one option was to play the grand final this weekend. Um, Was that something that shocked you? you, How do you see it playing out at this point? Yes, it's a little bit, yeah. I don't know. I guess it's crazy at the moment, but... um, yeah, I don't. I honestly 
couldn't tell you how I think it's going to play out at this point. We're just holding on at the moment of players and just waiting to see, I guess, what the AFL will come back with. Um, as far as we know, they're obviously in meetings about this sort of thing and, mm. and what's going to go forward with the coronavirus and obviously all that. So, um, yeah, look, we're just waiting to see what happens. I would not be surprised with any sort of, um, I guess, decision at this point because mm. there's a lot going on and... Um, as you can see across the world, there's been leaks pulled and there's been all sorts of things happen. Um, mm. Obviously, that would be pretty pretty disappointing if that was the case, but we have to sort of roll with the punches at this point um, with what's going on. Mm. Well, let's hope you get to play this weekend. We really would hate yeah. to see the season get cut short, <laughs> but mm. if you are yeah. playing this weekend and there's a loose ball on the back flank and uh, you and Tilly are going at it from different angles, who's going to flinch first? <laughs> Um, thank you so much, Bree, and please say thanks to Tilly as well. Yeah, we know it's unusual circumstances, but really appreciate you being able to join us anyway. No worries, guys. Thanks so much for that. Good luck for the weekend. Thank you. All right, bye. Bye. All right. Well, we got there. We had an interview in the end. I'm Ali Blackburn, and you're listening... Oh, what is that? Kick, kick Luck, I think you're on Triple R. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I just got distracted by... I was like, what am I even saying right now? <laughs> Hi, I'm Ali Blackburn, and you're listening to Kick Like a Girl on Triple R. Brilliant. I love her. <laughs> and thank you, Casey Simons, for grabbing that little priceless uh, <laughs> gem for us. Uh, yes, we're back. It's uh, 23 past on Triple R, and we're just about to review the weekend's action. The first game was a big win in the end to the Kangaroos over Geelong, and I think um, for me anyway, the energy really seemed to sap out of their cats after Nina Morrison went down. Yeah, Geelong were actually in front five minutes into the third quarter when that happened, and it wasn't just the energy that sapped out of them, but Morrison was actually really important in terms of um, on the ball against North Melbourne, and North Melbourne have that incredible quartet in the middle. So it was just like a double blow for them, and they just couldn't come back. They didn't score after that. Mm, At all. It almost felt like Geelong's season ended in that moment. When Melissa Higgy was crying, yeah. It was was so tragic. Um, But Nina Morrison's still young, and she's super fit, and she'll, she'll come back. We know she will. She has once before. She'll be back. Oh, so devastating. I literally tweeted about how amazing she was about one minute beforehand. And mm-hmm. I really jinxed her. I really felt like I jinxed her. Oh, it's it all your fault, Kate. Awful to watch. <laughs> on the other hand, though, North Melbourne were brilliant. From that moment on, when they hit their, found their third and fourth gears, mm. they put scary football together. So, But I think we've got to give credit to Geelong's defence for quelling that for half mm. the game as well. Because it wasn't like North were playing bad football or not getting the ball. They were just really stymied by that Geelong defence and that needs to be considered as well. Not just North are great, but Geelong's defence did a really good job. Mm, indeed. Uh, let's move to the next game. So Saturday, first game was Brisbane against Collingwood. Uh, Magpies won by 29 points. What did you make of this one? I was surprised at the uh, difference in this one. Mm. 
Brisbane just couldn't get any sort of control. Collingwood kind of played that short kick and mark game for a little while early on to really separate themselves. And so Brisbane just couldn't get into the game after that. And then from there on, Brisbane just, other than that third quarter where they kicked their two goals, that was it. Mm. What do you make of it? Emily? I don't know whether Brisbane was off. I thought Collingwood were going to win this game, but I didn't think it would be such a huge discrepancy in the score. Mm. Um, Brisbane's forward line just didn't seem to have any kind of um, structure all day, and they were throwing Wardlaw into the ruck to try to get her in the game, especially once Shani went down. They thought that could be advantageous, but if anything, it meant that Brisbane didn't have that focal point. Dakota Davidson's still so young and developing. So, yeah, I think they shot themselves in the foot a little bit with their coaching, more Mm. so than anything else. But uh, a few of those midfielders were down on their normal uh, output, and I think without those, Brisbane tended to be exposed a bit as well. Brisbane's leading possession getter was Rianne Lugg, who plays in the forward pocket. So Mm. that that kind of tells you all you need to know about what Brisbane Mm. were able to do. Well, they lost the contested ball 93-74, to I think, as well, and had... One other thing that you've got to consider is that um, Jamie Lambert was pretty well tagged out of the game, so Britt Benici really stepped up alongside Davey. So their midfield is starting to work a little bit more like Frio's where you stop one, but there are two others that can do the job. Yeah, and Steph Kiochi's had an amazing season already, but with Ash Brazel going out, I think she's gone up to another level again and hasn't really been that loss that we thought it might be. Mm. Yeah, Collingwood are pretty sound across all... all f- except their forward except line. Their I, will, forward line. I will die on that hill. Mm. Sarah Darcy, if she starts kicking straight. And um, Chloe Malloy starts kicking straight. straight. Yeah. Yes, and um, I did want to say Britt Benici, she had 10 of those contested possessions and five clearances, so it was an excellent match on her behalf. Um, let's go to our next game just because we've got limited time. Uh, lowest ever AFLW score, didn't score a goal, three points Richmond got in the end, uh, meaning the Saints won by 39. Everyone looks at me every time we start. <laughs> Richmond's forward line, if you watch every time... Mon Conti played the game of her life, but if you watch, every time she gets the ball just outside 50 and looks in inboard to try and actually create something, no one is moving for her. They just stay stagnant, and that's a defender's dream. Mm. So it's almost like every Richmond forward is expecting Sabrina Frederick to lead up, take a contested mark, and go back for the set shot. So she's the only one really working in that forward line to create something. No wonder the ball just comes straight back out every time it goes in it was almost it was the battle it was like the game we saw is this this is the team that was built on culture versus the team that was built on high-end talent and we saw the team that was built on culture absolutely decimate the other one Mm -hmm. so yeah and coaching I think is a really big part of this too like we we need to consider the fact that St Kilda's coaching I think Peter Searle has been the best coach this year that we've seen they absolutely exploited Richmond's unwillingness maybe to run defensively and they were just hitting those kicks inside the corridor every time and then running quickly forward and there was just no way that Richmond were going to be able to combat that unless they ran defensively which we haven't seen them do this year. Well, the other interesting thing that I saw during the week was that news that the senior assistant coach Jacob Thompson reportedly left the club due to differences in coaching philosophies. With Tom Hunter, yeah. Yes, it's interesting. It's um, ominous. There are a few questions that I think need to be raised about some certain appointments at Richmond. Um, there were some options they had that they didn't take, um, Grace Egan being the other one, mm. and you just wonder how much that's affecting them now. Mm, regret with Grace Egan, I'd say. Yes. Uh, all right, what did we have next? Uh, Melbourne and Carlton. Oh you would be thrilled to talk about this, Gemma, being oh. the D's fan that you are in the AFLW. Uh, Blues got up by 16 points in the end. Melbourne 
lost were very very good in the first half, and they lost two important defenders early into the third quarter. Carlton kicked two very quick goals, and from there Melbourne just couldn't keep up. It was thirty two degrees up in Alice, and two rotations down, they just couldn't keep up with Carlton's outside running game. Carlton looked best when they've got that outside overlap running game going, and then double fold it exploited the fact that Melbourne were weak and had tired legs and it just destroyed Melbourne in the end. And I'm loving how attacking Carlton are right from the back line. Katie Loins, Karen Harrington are having outstanding seasons. Mm. Charlotte uh, Wilson is an absolute gun. So that's what's been exciting with Carlton. We put so much emphasis on their midfield and Taylor Harris, Darcy Vesey up forward, but everything's being driven from their back line. Mm. And once Melbourne were a few people down, that run was impossible to combat. Exactly. And I just want to shout out Casey Sheriff, who had the best game of her career in this game. In the first half, I think she was best player on the ground. Her speed on the wing, not only defensively, but attacking is huge. And I think if she'd kicked the two goals rather than two behind, she would be three vote get her best on ground. But she just wasn't able to finish off in the end, like Alicia Newman. But Casey Sheriff is definitely a player to watch. She's number 18 for Melbourne, in case anyone doesn't know who she is. Mm. Uh, and has Sarah Lampard done an ACL? It's not confirmed yet, but it is. she has done one in the past and you're far more susceptible and all mm. that jazz. So that, that would be Melbourne's fifth, I think. Oh, God, let's hope not. Uh, all right, we're a bit short on time. So Sunday, Bulldogs, Frio. I thought the Doggies had an excellent yeah. game. Um, but Incredible. We, but we lost by 15 points in the end to Frio, 10 to 8 It was the highest ever AFLW aggregate score as well. 117 points, mm. yeah. Um on the inside, the dogs came out in this game, used Frio's game against them. So they used that inside pressure game, getting it out to the speed on the outside and getting it forward, which is surprising considering the fact that Brooke Lachlan wasn't in the team. But there was one passage of play for the dogs where Katie Heron ran it from defence up. It got to Ellie Blackburn, who then navigated the wind really well to kick the goal. And I think that exemplified the way the dogs went about this game. But then towards the end, the class of Frio just kind of got over the top of them. Doggies are still playing with a very small, undersized, young midfield. Like a few more years into Georgia Stathis and and Gemma Lagoya, mm. and, and it's going to be a different story. For but there was absolute <laughs> bulls in the Fremantle midfield, and I think that was probably what helped Frio run over it in the end. But also, Nell Morris Dalton changes the face of Western Bulldogs mm. forward line, and you got to ask why she hasn't been in the team till this point. I know, bloody superstar, know. our mate. Um, yeah, she had a few goal assists and just I love her tackling pressure and tenacity. She's just She had to make defenders accountable, which yeah. made it harder for them to run off. It was mm-hmm. great. Yeah, should have been in the side. Hopefully she stays in it now, surely. Um, Crows, Giants, maybe the end of Adelaide's... Mini dynasty in the AFLW. Well, make finals, are they? Well, it's very similar to the 2018 season. Hmm. Very, very similar. If you look at the similar similarities, Aaron Phillips injured, Courtney Cramey injured, a bit of a lack of senior players, um, and then a slow start to the season, and you get the same thing as what happened. So I wouldn't expect that they're going to be terrible next year based on that because we saw what they did. But I am a little bit surprised with their complete lack of scoring considering the players that have been playing. Hmm. Yeah, they've still got some absolute superstars in that team. And we see Marinov and Hatcher doing great things. But, I mean, Stevie Lee Thompson's not kicked the goals like she did last year. and Danielle Ponta. Mm. Yeah. Uh, all right, one more game for the round. Uh, so Eagles went down again, just the one goal, one two eight to the Suns, 5-3, 33. What a great year the Gold Coast are having. 
I love watching Gold Coast play. Um, it was really interesting. Hannah, <laughs> Hannah Dunn uh, wasn't in the side this week and she's kind of been leading their pressure to this point of the season. So it was really great to see Dee Heslop lay 10 tackles and then Jackie Yorston going on with what she normally does with nine. So that was huge out of the middle and then Kalinda Howarth. Amazing. Four goals. And then in the back line, you've got Lauren Ahrens and Jade Progelli. Incredible. Both. They're both in the top five for um, intercept possessions in the AFLW right now. So when you've got such strong back line again, I, I love my backs, obviously. But yep. those guys, like they've built a core in their back line that is going to be building success for the future. Mm. Indeed. Now we have to get on to our voting for the round. I declare the winner of the Darren Phillips, the best and fairest. <laughs> uh, who wants to go first? You go first. All right, well... I gave three votes to Elise Parker, thought she was outstanding, 30 disposals, 15 contested possessions, thought she outgunned the likes of Aaron Phillips, Eb Marinoff and Hatchard and, yeah, <laughs> you deserve three votes if you do that, I think. Um, I agonised over this for ages and then I gave two votes to Maddie Prasparkas because I just thought every time there's a, cl- a clutch game she stands up and she delivers and she's often the difference especially that goal towards the end um and the 23 disposals that went along with it i just couldn't even separate these two for my one vote so i don't know what i'm going to do about it i'm slightly cheating and throwing the rule book out the window but i i, I felt like kalinda howarth four goals from 11 disposals was outstanding but so was brit Benici, 26 disposals 10 contested possessions five clearances so i've cheated and sorry you can't though <laughs> Okay, all right. I'll go fast. Jazz Gardner doesn't need to say anything more than Jazz Gardner because she's unbelievable. I had Ebony Antonio with my two votes. Mm. I just thought her massive game, uh, 19 touches, 10 tackles and a goal. She kind of almost out-bowered Bowers. Yeah, I thought Um, that. And then I had to give Howarth one vote because anyone who's flashing around kicking four goals and doing it in such an exciting fashion deserves a bit of credit but yeah there's also a dozen players i can roll off their names right now that probably deserve votes too it was just tough this week mm. i've gone slightly controversial with my three votes and i want to get, take two seconds to explain it <laughs> oh god i've given it to kiara bowers even though i think ebony antonio maybe had a bigger show in terms of what you saw kiara bowers it, there was that ebony antonio goal um, at the start of the fourth quarter that was really important in the mo- momentum shift of this game that Kiara Bowers actually blocked for. And if Bowers hadn't done that, Ebony Antonio doesn't kick that goal and I don't think Freo get on the run that they did. So I think it was the small things that Bow- Bowers did in this game that was hugely influential. And she was up and about early when Freo was struggling and she really carried Freo on her back for the first half of this game. Anyway, that's All my right. explanation. Two to Elise Parker. I think this is the best game she's ever played. Um, and one to Kalinda Howell for the same reasons you guys have mentioned. Great. Well done. <laughs> All right. Uh, that, yes, it caused me genuine agony this week. Um, so we are going to take a break to play you a special feature for this week. Um, obviously, we couldn't have voices from the stands because we didn't have anyone in the stands. There were some in trees and on fences, but um, never mind. So instead, uh, Friday night's game against Geelong, uh, sorry, Geelong against North Melbourne was actually a special awareness raiser for endometriosis. And so I spoke to a couple of people during the week who were involved in that. The first of those is Kat Stanley from Talking Endo, a Geelong-based support group for women with endometriosis. And I'm going to play you now an interview with her, followed by an interview with a woman named Beck Van Dyke, who is a community artist. And she actually 
crocheted for the occasion and a yellow endometrium. Yellow is the national, uh, global, sorry, um, colour for awareness raising for endometriosis. So I'm going to play those couple and then we will come back with uh, Smash the Patriarchy talking about what on earth happens to AFLW in the time of coronavirus and we will preview, assuming that it's going ahead, um, round seven, isn't it? Yes, seven. Yes. You're on Triple R, Kick Like a Girl, AFLW Radio. So if you've just tuned in, you're on Kick Like a Girl, Triple R's AFLW Radio, and I have a special guest in Catherine Stanley. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show for such an important issue. Now, uh, tell everyone, if you can, what is happening at the game this Friday night between Geelong and North Melbourne at GMHBA? Why is it a special occasion? Uh, we are match day partners with the Cats, and we get to, as part of that, shine a light on endo. Yep. Uh, one in women have endometriosis, and it was actually the most Googled word in 2018. But despite this, it takes still about seven to ten years for most women to get diagnosed. So uh, we're on a bit of a mission to spread awareness uh, so that people know more about the condition, they understand what it is, and perhaps maybe if they're having symptoms of period pain or or back pain or something going on, really heavy periods, that they might go and get help earlier than they otherwise would have. Mm. Great. So how, how did it come about that you became uh, official match day partners and who is that with? Who are you um, representing? Sure. Um, I represent Talking Endo. I had the idea last year. I have endometriosis myself and a psychology background of starting a support group here in Geelong for women that have endometriosis as a way to sort of help build community. It can be quite isolating having chronic illness, mm. um, but also so that we can sort of learn together and learn about the professionals that are in the area that could help us. So each month there is a guest speaker who works in the field. Mm-hmm. One of the things that happens when you have endo is you get told and then you kind of go home and you don't know where to start or who might be able to help or how. Mm. Um, and I spoke to a local gynecologist Marilla Druitt, who was really keen to support me in setting it up. And last year I was at an AFLW game and I loved it. I loved the atmosphere. (laughs) I loved how family-friendly it was. I loved supporting a group of women that, you know, when they were kids, they didn't... This wasn't even a possibility that they would ever be professional footballers and here they were doing it. Mm. And I just thought, what a great collaboration. I wonder if there would be any in us being able to collaborate Mm. Um, and so I wrote a proposal and they said yes that they would be keen to work with us. Wow. Exciting day. Yes. That's fantastic. So Geelong as a club have been quite supportive of the initiative? Yes they have. Yes. Fantastic. It's been amazing and I get to, um, oh we're going to talk to the the players next week before they go out on the game, uh, go out on the field. Yeah. They will know everything they can about endo as well. Fantastic. And what are some of the key messages that you're going to be imparting on the players? Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) Uh, Well, some of the stats I've just reeled off about the fact that one in ten women have the disease, and to give perspective about that, that's as common as asthma or diabetes. Mm. Um, I'll be talking about the, um, the main symptoms, the core one being pain during your period mm-hmm. and the pain period pain isn't normal um often there's myths about hysterectomy curing this disease but the reality is there is no cure mm. um i'll also be talking about while well, surgery is a big 
part of treating the disease. It's not the only component and usually multidisciplinary, so meeting lots of different medical professionals uh, working together helps women live the best life they can with it. So that's often a physio. Some people find acupuncture and other things as well as your gynecologist and your, your surgeon working together to help mm. you live the best way you can. And I suppose it's something you won't necessarily know, but would you imagine there would be AFLW players out there who are managing endo? Statistically speaking, there will be. Mm. Um, I don't know who they are yet, but, I mean, even when we met with the Cats, there were people in the marketing team who mentioned that their sister had endo and someone mm. else's auntie had endo. Um, the more I talk to people about it, the more you realise that most people know someone with endo or someone that perhaps has endo and they're, and they're going down that investigative process. Well, I guess the other thing is with the delaying diagnosis, I think it's somewhere between seven and ten years, um, it's quite possible that there's many other women who have endometriosis who might not know it yet, right? Yeah, and that's part of that myth, that period pain is normal and it, it really isn't. And I think maybe we've been, uh, women have been putting up with pain for many, many years and and thinking it is just a normal part of our lives when it actually isn't and there is an underlying condition. Mm. And it seems, and I mean, I'm speaking as someone who has both adenomyosis and endometriosis, so I understand uh, just how painful uh, the disease can be and, and how much it becomes chronic in terms of other symptoms. But I think one of the issues that I've come across is just the lack of uh, medical knowledge around really the best way to treat it. And I just, mm -hmm. it seems to be one of those very neglected areas of women's health. Yes, um, and the gold standard for diagnosis is surgery. So, mm. you know, you can go, I, I didn't know this until I discovered it personally. Mm. You can go and have scans and they look fine, but it doesn't mean that there's not disease there because there's only a few, uh, there's only a few people that are, gyne I think they're gynecologically trained and trained in ultrasound. Mm. The world that can therefore see it, but most people can't see it on an ultrasound. Mm. And as you said, most, a lot of doctors don't know what they're looking for and kind of prescribe the pill and, and do things that mask symptoms but don't actually help women with their pain and, and understanding what's going on for them. Yeah, I mean, that was certainly an issue for me. I know I had, I presented to many specialists who didn't want to operate because it's such an invasive surgery and mm. sort of suggesting that it was unlikely they were going to find endometriosis. Well, I ended up having the most severe grade anyway. So I think that's just telling of how 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 much women have to advocate for themselves, I think, to actually sometimes get product, proper medical investigation and treatment around this issue. Yeah, it's a very common conversation that women are actually relieved when they come out of surgery to find out they have endometriosis, mm. which is because they've usually got endured years of mm. being implied that there's something wrong with them and that maybe it's in their head or that their pain tolerance is really low. Yep. And I think that says a lot that you feel relieved because it's a fairly big diagnosis to be given a disease that has no cure and you will spend the rest of your life managing. And even when I think about um, when I was a child or going through school, no one actually really teaches girls or women, and I'm hoping this space is changing, but in my upbringing, I wasn't taught what a normal cycle looked like, mm. what were concerning symptoms and what were things that were perhaps flags of this, you know, your body isn't doing what it should be doing. You might need to see a doctor. Yeah. 
And that's not just about, you know, as you said, there's adenomyosis, there's endometriosis, there's polycystic ovarian syndrome, and then there's very serious gynecological cancers, and a lot of their symptoms are quite subtle as well. Mm. So women need to know what's normal and what's not normal for their cycle. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope that, I guess, the more women that are involved in football as well, whether that's support staff, coaches, you know, physios, etc., that it opens up a space for those conversation with, uh, conversations with the players as well. Yes, yes. And I think another um, thing that I really liked about collaborating with a sports team is when you have chronic pain, your instinct is to just uh, go to bed and yeah. and put your life on hold. And obviously in those acute phases you need to, but the science tells us that exercise can really help with pain but also help with well-being. And it is really hard to stay positive when you're in constant pain. So anything that can help that well-being and help a woman feel a bit better, we really encourage and, and light exercise and, and exercise that, that's paced and under the guidance of a physio can really help. Mm, yes, that's a very important message and one we don't get enough, I think. Um, maybe just a last question about uh, AFLW because, you know, you've chosen AFLW to be uh, the place where you raise awareness for this issue. Um, what is it that you love about women's footy? Oh, that's a good one. Well, <laughs> to be honest, I actually wasn't really that into football. Yeah. Um, my kids are heavily into football, and so they have got me into it. And I, I'm just a really big believer in women being able to do whatever whatever they want to do. I'm watching the uh, last year when I, we went to all of the home, the two home games in Geelong. Yeah. Um, the, the flexibility was incredible. The way women can move their bodies was mm. amazing. It was elegant. Um, but also I'm just really passionate about them getting the same recognition as the men because I think the skill level is there. Yeah, absolutely. And we haven't had anywhere near the same investment and resources, but anyway. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Hopefully um, very soon. Um, and I think uh, um, the atmosphere. Uh, when you've got small kids, you're really aware of, well, I was really aware of language and aggression and those sorts of things. Right. I went to this beautiful game where I saw you know, players of opposite teams helping each other up off the ground, mm. a really supportive crowd, people packing their own sandwiches. And I just thought this act, I realised that what I didn't like about football had nothing to do with the game. It was the atmosphere. And mm. so I actually really like football. <laughs> AFLW brings the atmosphere that I love. You are on Kick Like a Girl, Triple R's AFLW Radio, and I've got a special guest with me today, uh, Beck Van Dyke, community artist. Welcome. Um, thank you. Uh, so tell us, you have a special role to play at this Friday night's game between Geelong and North Melbourne. What's happening? I'm, I'm bringing a tiny piece of an endometrium sculpture, <laughs> which... Um, it's a uh, it's it's strange actually because it's the first ever footy game I've ever been to. So it's strange that I should be going to a game and and bringing a small piece of endometrium. So, um, <laughs> when I say small, it's a, it's about a meter long and uh, and about uh, nearly a meter wide. So it's um, I guess it's a model. Uh, created in T-shirts to represent um, the endometrium or the, the lining of the uterus. Uh, so tell us about the endometrium. Why are we having an endometrium at a footy game? 
Uh, well, um, I'm I'm coming sort of in support of Endo Health Australia and uh, or no, sorry, Endo Help Australia, mm-hmm. and um, I, I guess they're wanting to raise the awareness of endometriosis, um, certainly in Australia, but, but globally as well. Um, to some extent, it's a sustainability project, so I'm taking um, t-shirts that can't be sold in op shops, so they might have Fun Run or something written on it, yeah, and and no no one wants to buy that. And, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, or they might be really stained or something. So I can I take them and I wash them, yeah, and then I dye them. I'm 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 using the yellow color spectrum, which is um, based on a fantastic book. It's nearly I think it's nearly thirty years old now by Lara Owen called Her Blood Is Gold, mm. and it just really talks about the value of um, of of women's um, periods to the whole, to the you know the value of, of periods for this whole society. So it's it's basically our ongoing survival of of the species mm. right there. Mm. Um, so do you expect that people coming to the game will will see the installation? Um, I. I actually don't have a clear picture of uh, even where it's going, where we're going to be hanging out, me and the endometrium. <laughs> um, um, but I'm not really bothered because I, I find that um, the, the knitted T-shirt yarn, or, or this time it's crochet, um, it, it's really tactile, lovely to look at, and it's, it's lovely. It's definitely a hands-on sculpture. Yeah, um, you can sort of get in underneath it and uh, look up through the gland. And <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, it's very tactile. Okay, you are on uh, Kick Like a Girl, Triple um, AFLW radio show. Big thanks to uh, Kat Stanley and, and Beck Van Dyke for those interviews for a really important cause. And Beck did write to us after the game and say, yes, even though there were very limited spectators given the situation, a number of people came along and interacted with the sculpture and learnt more about endometriosis. So a good outcome. <laughs> um, all right, we have to do our little Smash the Patriarchy segment. One moment. Smash the Patriarchy! <laughs> um, I thought that this week, uh, well, the obvious issue is, you know, what's going to happen with the rest of the season. I think Sam Lane sent us all into shock when she said that um, the grand final could be happening this weekend. But, I mean... Well, I'm interested in your opinions, I suppose. If if we are facing imminent shutdown, I'm assuming that's why that option has been floated. What do you make of that? Is that the best of a bunch of bad options or how else would you like to see it played out? Obviously, health of spectators, players, people working at clubs is the ultimate priority. But if we're going to have to potentially shut down the season with no resolution, I, every day of the week, would take a grand final with the conference leaders this weekend over anything else. What do you think, Em? I think that's fair as well. If you look at the ladder at the moment, I don't think any of the other teams who wouldn't play in that grand final could argue that possibly North Melbourne and Fremantle weren't the best two teams to play anyway if the season was shut down now. And yeah, right, there's a state of emergency. Like, this is apparently a big deal. So the fact that even if we do get a (laughs) grand final this weekend is almost a bonus as opposed to the season just being shut down and uh, the uh, 2020 AFLW season just ending with an X as opposed to a victor. So. And the season is already compromised with the short fixture anyway, and we've in the past had the, just the two top teams uh, going through to a grand final anyway, mm-hmm. so it's realistically not overly different to the first two seasons of AFLW anyway, so I'd take that over anything. And the conference system is a mess as well, so there's so many things that are... Well, 
actually, I asked you both to think about um, who you thought would end up making finals. So maybe we can talk about that first and then think about whether this would be a fair outcome. Who do you both have tipped to make uh, Conference A and B finals? If you'd asked me on Friday morning, I would have said change Geelong into the top three of Conference A and then the top three of each is what to like going forward yeah now I'm far more confident on GWS Mm. and I'm still gonna say Melbourne even though everyone thinks I'm insane and it's probably biased but uh, I think Melbourne is still a very good team so at the moment we've got Kangaroos GWS Brisbane in conference A and then the Suns are out on a game by one game and then conference B we've got Freo obviously undefeated Carlton and Melbourne who are level on points with Collingwood but a slightly inferior percentage so how much do you see that shifting I think Collingwood will win the last two games of the season that they have. I think Carlton also. It's the Fremantle-Melbourne game this weekend that will decide whether Melbourne are in the finals or not. And I'm so torn. It's in <laughs> Fremantle. It's in Western Australia. I, honestly, I think for Melbourne, travelling to Alice Springs, back to Melbourne, then tra- travelling to Perth might be a bit too much. They're going to miss out on the finals by percentage for the fourth year in a row. Gemma? <laughs> I'm unimpressed. Speculation. It's all speculation. Well, how likely do you think it is that this might not even pan out? Well, I'm starting to think that mid-April is quite unrealistic, really, even if the grand final doesn't happen this weekend. There's no way that the season's going to finish properly. There's no way. As in you think it'll be cut short? I think it's going to be cut short, and no matter what. And I'd prefer a grand final this weekend, we have a resolution, at least the players can go on with their lives in whatever way possible, than keep them on the hook week after week, these part-time players who potentially are getting exposed in their day jobs or things like that. It just makes a lot more sense to cut it short, no matter how much we all want more footy. Mm. We know how much I watch footy all the time, but it's the reality of the situation. Well, I don't think there's any argument that every one of us would ideally really (laughs) want it to continue and finish when it's supposed to, and it's not fair, of course, on the other teams that were looking at finals appearances, but... Yeah, I mean, for me, I just think about all the players. Like, we have players here from the US, from Ireland, uh, Mm. who have moved states for this season. Players who work in the medical field. Yes. So it just seems increasingly unlikely that it's going to play out as planned. With the way things are happening, in four weeks' time, we might potentially be living in Mad Max times. And (laughs) instead of people fighting over water, they're going to be fighting over TP in the desert. (laughs) So, like... It's so hard to predict what's going to happen when I leave the studio, let alone by the end of the day. So do you think, would either of you be unhappy with a Frio Kangaroos grand final if that's what happened? No, bring it on. It just should be played in WA with Frio as an undefeated team. But say we had one more week, I mean, GWS could conceivably finish ahead of the Kangaroos. (laughs) (laughs) No. Oh, well, they could. Conceivably, but also conceivably, you know, we might no longer exist as a society. Frio is still the undefeated team, and if you put it all into one ladder, they would still be number one. Mm-hmm. So, And WA has the lowest rate of infection as well, if that helps at all. Well, I'm just saying, North playing the Bulldogs, <laughs> who played really well last week, and the Giants playing the Cats, so, you know, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? But Frio is still going to be ahead of them. No, but I'm talking about Conference A. So, yes, Freya would finish top of Conference B, but then the Kangaroos Oh, you mean miss out. out of top of conf- each conference? Yes. Fre- North Melbourne are going to play a better game anyway, aren't they? 
Well, I'm just saying, if if one more week went ahead and they took the two top teams, it could end up being Frio GWS. Which would be a mistake. I'm just loving watching you go back and forth between you two, knowing that by the time we get home today, it's going to be like no football ever again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's all hypothetical, isn't it? Uh, should we go through for some quick tips and thoughts about this round? If it's happening. The hypothetical even, round seven. I sort of feel like, is it at any point? Um all right, Richmond, Brisbane, Friday night. Brisbane by 60 points. Yeah, <laughs> Brisbane by at least that. Yeah, <laughs> At uh, least. <laughs> oh, I don't think Brisbane so. Brisbane can choose how much they want to win by. It's at Icon. I'm a bit worried about Katie Brennan actually two weeks out with concussion. Mm. Not sure she will be back this week either. Uh, Saturday, Carlton, West Coast. The Navy Blues. Carlton. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any argument with that one, is there? Um, Kangaroos, Bulldogs, Arden Street, Saturday. 310. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bulldogs pulled it off. Mm. That's my smoky for the week. I yeah. think the Roos will get there, and I think I might find a good solid tree to watch that game <laughs> this week. I actually went to the last Arden Street game, and everyone was like crammed in like sardines, so it's probably a good thing no one's <laughs> yeah. gone to that. Uh, GWS Geelong. Geelong. Really? Yeah, I think Giants. Yeah, no, I'm still unimpressed with the Giants. I'm still not convinced by them, so I'm going Geelong. Okay, that's at Giants Stadium, that one. Uh, Gold Coast, Adelaide. Gold Coast. Yeah, go the Suns. I love watching the Suns. They're my favourite at the moment. Did mm. you see Kate Sermon on the weekend stole the mic again? And then, <laughs> and then swore on screen. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. She is just the best. She is my favourite. Um, and then the final game of the round is the e- – uh, sorry, I think I've you've just missed gone back one. to um, – <laughs> I just went back to the week before. Yes, we've got two. Frio, Melbourne. Sunday? I'm tipping a draw because I don't want to have to make a choice. Uh, Freo haven't been overly impressive, but I think they'll get what? over. Last couple of, yeah, but the last couple of weeks they've only <laughs> crawled across the line in a couple of those games. Everyone can read my interview with Trent Cooper tomorrow as well if they want to get on. Oh, yeah, where can there. we find that? Siren Sport newsletter to subscribe. And where do people go if they want to subscribe to that? Uh, sirensport.com.au. <laughs> Okay, great. Thank you. (laughs) Had no interest in that plug whatsoever. Um, So Collingwood St Kilda is the last one that we've been talking about all day with Brian Tilly. I'm actually going to do two Smokies. I'm tipping St Kilda. Ooh, yeah. Good defence versus a poor forward line. Oh, that's a bit harsh. It's at Vic Park too, isn't it? Yes. So, yeah, I don't know how they're going to fence people out of Vic Park, but... There is no fence, is there? No, Exactly. So I think I might get a sneaky view at that game as well on Sunday night. But, uh, yeah, I think the Pies, but I think it'll be a cracking game, game of the round. It'll be an excellent game. Melbourne Freo won't be? I think that's the highlight, obviously. I just think as a spectacle, I think think it's going to be a better show. Pies, Saints. No. I don't know. Fine then. Okay, no, it's all Frio versus Demons. Pinnacle of all the sport of all time. It's silly hour now. All right. um, Big thanks to Gemma and Emily. Thank you both for coming in. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for coming back. Uh, And everyone else who contributed this week, thanks obviously to Bree Davey and Collingwood Football Club, Tilly Lucas Rod and St Kilda. Uh, Kat Stanley from Talking Endo and Beck Van Dyke, community artist. Thanks to Jacinta, who does all the editing every week. Um, and you can also listen back now to Kick Like a Girl as a podcast. Don't forget, how's our tipping going, Gemma? I dropped to 12th this week. <laughs> I thought you might from have. From 4th. I had a quick look at the uh, top five. I might just say that before we sign off. So Claire Flynn's on top, 33 points, one ahead of Amelia Klein and Nadia Thorman. I hope that's how you say that. Ryan Thompson is also on 32 and Jake Simpson 31 to round out the top five. 
don't think you'll be winning this year. I was coming <laughs> fourth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got to sign off. Um, next up, Zero G. Thanks for joining us on Kick Like a Girl on Triple R. This is presenter Kato Halloran. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Kick Like a Girl, a weekly radio show that airs on Triple R during the AFLW season. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Kick Like a Girl Facebook page, Twitter or website. 